0: Last season, we had a podcast introducing everyone to CorPay, uh, a great company that can help with your automated payments. Uh, today, we invited them back to give an update on trends, virtual credit cards, uh, ways that they can help reduce the risk of fraud for companies, and CorPay's involvement in EscorPay, Esker's end-to-end payment automation. Uh, While I don't think you need to listen to last season's episode to enjoy today's, uh, we will be sure to uh, put a link in the show notes below. I'm Scott Leahy, and this is Esker On Air. I'd like to welcome back Dan Reeve, Director of Sales here at Esker North America and a returning guest. We have Brett Orr. Uh, regional VP from Corpe back with us, uh, who who sat down with Dan last year. Dan, Brett, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Scott. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Good to be here.
0: Well, spring is in the air, Brett. I know you're in Arizona, Dan. You're in Colorado. Does the season change do anything for you guys? Are you are you feeling a particular way? I, I'm here in Wisconsin. It's 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 kind of a big deal here.
2: Dan, I'll let you take that one because I feel bad rubbing it in. Um... This four, four and a half months in Arizona I'm pretty spoiled here in the winter time so I, I kind of feel bad talking about my weather but it sounds like it's uh, this nice is Colorado again.
1: It's, it's nice weather here in Denver. Uh, it's warming up a little bit you know and down in the city and we it's getting to that ideal point where it's it's warm and pleasant in the city, not too hot and you still have snow in the mountains so that's uh, that's just a great thing.
0: Yeah, from where I'm sitting there's just not a more beautiful sight than, than melting snow. Uh, well, So, Brett, it's been about five or six months since you sat down with us last. Um, what trends are you seeing these days uh, that might be beneficial to our listeners?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And I, you know, I really don't know that the trends have have changed a ton. I think there's maybe a little bit here and there. But I think the reality that a lot of companies are facing is they're still kind of coming out of this pandemic situation of, you know, employees working from home. You know, obviously, there's a lot of turmoil in the economy, and and you know some shifts with inflation and everything else. And so, I think there's still a, a lot of you know kind of sit and wait. You know, we've got to do whatever we can to uh, keep our heads above water right now and kind of power through this thing and and see where we come out on the other side. So, you know, as far as new trends, I don't necessarily know that we're seeing new trends. I think if anything, we're seeing more companies get on board with the fact that you know if you're not utilizing some form of technology or more specifically automation um, you're probably falling behind or you're making life much more difficult than it needs to be Um, is you know you continue to kind of evolve and transition in this work from home type business model so You know, I don't necessarily, again, I don't necessarily know that it's a new trend. I think it's just a trend that's continuing and more and more companies are starting to recognize that they need to do something to become more efficient or they're going to get kind of left behind, um, you know, with with everything that's going on. So I think I'd agree
1: with that. Uh, I think. As I was talking to the um, the leadership team over at Texas Christian University recently, and they do a lot of supply chain research, you know, they said a lot of the finance leaders we speak to, a lot of the CFOs, and they're really under some pressure, some stressed folks, and actually the the the, the number of uh, financial financial leaders that are retiring early has gone up. What they described is a situation where many suppliers uh, are hungry for capital; they need to get paid earlier, and often. Many companies are trying to pay suppliers earlier. They they're either a very strategic supplier, and you don't want them to go under, or you know, as you look to maintain good service levels to your customer base, you can't afford to lose your your position with a supplier because you you're no longer paying them as as fast as as, as they're used to. In, or many companies in this pandemic or post pandemic had to expand the number of suppliers they work with. Well what we've seen and what our customers have shared is they've said, well, often we have to pay in cash or we have to pay, you know, we, we, we can't delay payment. Um, so there's a definite need for liquidity, a lot of pressure on the finance leaders, both to take care of suppliers, make payables um, a, a financially beneficial process. We'll talk more about that by turning AP into a profit center, not a cost center. But they're also under pressure to improve working capital by optimizing what they do on the receivable side, sending invoices, chasing chasing up money, uh, applying that cash, etc. So yeah, I think, I think if, if anything, things are set to continue, especially as, uh, you know, inflation continues to um, be a
2: problem. Yeah, well said, Dan. I think the other thing I would add to that too, is just, you know, the, the level of security around payments, right? I mean, I read articles all the time about fraud, right? And there's just a much higher risk, if you're still sending payments via check, you know, you're exposing yourself, right? And so I think that's another big thing that companies, CFOs in particular, are really trying to wrap their arms around and say, how can we, you know, be more secure from a payments perspective? We don't want to be exposing ourselves to, you know, high levels of, of you know, check fraud and, and that kind of risk. So that's another area where we can help out, um, you know, by automating payments, but, you know, it's it's a security thing too. That's a, that's definitely um, a top priority for a lot of CFOs out there. I think
1: risk is, be it fraud, risk is a is a top priority right now. And what we're hearing is CFOs, finance leaders are saying, in the past, maybe we would do a credit check on our customers or look at the the financial health of our suppliers. Maybe we did that once a year, or maybe we did that at the point when we onboarded the the supplier. Or the customer, but now what organisations are looking for is more proactive insight and awareness that something has changed. I don't know, perhaps that supplier has operations in 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 the disputed regions of Ukraine or Belarus uh, or Russia, and and so you might need to know about that. Or you know, does that mean that we can't deal with those folks because because of, of OFAC rules or sanctions? You know, uh, risk be it through fraudulent actors on the payment side yep, very applicable and that's grown significantly in the last two years, or simply eliminating risk by knowing who are the customers and who are the suppliers we're dealing with and has anything changed in their business. Increasingly, um, finance leaders are saying, bring that to us proactively. Certainly one of the joint, uh, I say customer joint enterprises that Brett and I serve who, who uh, have deployed the escape payables technology and the uh, the core pay payment capabilities, they've shared that the fraud Protection that Corepay brings to the table—it wasn't necessarily uh, the the um, the largest part of their business case, but they've said it's come to be something that they really come to appreciate more than they expected. Absolutely, well said.
0: Well, obviously, any automation while working remote uh, in these last two years has has or has had uh, enormous benefits. Um, now that people are going back to the office, uh, what benefits are people seeing with automated payments?
2: So, I mean, you know, obviously if they put in some form of automation, you know, the, a lot of the benefits that Dan and I just talked about, right, even from like the security component to it, but, but just the efficiencies gained, um, they're getting a lot more hours back in their week, right? So if they do come back to the office, that transition has kind of allowed them to take on other roles, other responsibilities, um, you know, be, be able to actually take on more meaningful tasks. Than just, you know, printing checks or manually scanning invoices or whatever the case is, right? So, you know, I think the, the other reality is through everything that you know we're going through in this economy, there's a lot of people that maybe didn't go back to work, or some companies were forced into layoffs just because sales were down or, or you know, whatever the case may be. And so the the one thing that we hear a lot of, and Dan, I'm sure you do too, is you know, these companies are still running extremely lean in their AP mm-hmm. departments. Right? like even if they mm-hmm. did add some form of automation and they're they're back to the office, and all that kind of stuff. I, I think you know nine out of ten AP departments would probably say that they're understaffed, and mm-hmm. so if they adopted some form of automation, front end, back end, holistic, all across the board, you know, it's going to help them significantly with more meaningful tasks, just because of the fact that, and the nature that they are running lean right now, and and there's not a lot of talk that, hey, we've got open positions or open headcounts, we're going to be able to hire anytime soon. And so we, we've got to do with what we have. Um, and, and it's helpful if they have some portions of their business kind of sparsed out through automation.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. The number of the reports I've seen recently from um, Ardent Partners, Gartner, Hackett are all pointing, if you look at the payables department, the finance department. I think they said something like 60 percent of employees are at risk of moving and 60%, 60 percent, 60, 61 percent would move if they were offered. Higher pay was the, the primary risk, more flexible time was the second risk, and then I think it was better management and, and career opportunity. So lots of movement, we've seen that in all industries, um, some more than others, and a top priority for many finance, I think a top priority for the CFO right now is both inflation, Improving working capital and and, and retaining staff because uh, folks, you know, increasingly want flexibility. They want to work from home at least some of the time. And as Jess Sheer, who's the uh, um, you know, one of the leaders leaders over at the Institute of Financial Management, has said, he said, going forward, we used to talk about making the accounts payable department a profit center. That was kind of a a dream, a pipe dream. Some had achieved that. He said now folks want to do more meaningful work and they want to be engaging with suppliers. They want to be making it so they have, you know, best in, practice, best in class rates of say 21. They want to see as many as 67% of their invoices going straight through compared to, you know, the laggards where they only have 21%. Jess is saying staff want to be freed up to make improvements, improve the process, transform the organization, and yeah, even make that payables department through mechanisms like core pay a profit center. So I always like to say, you know, if you could you can't get the supplier to take an early or give you an early payment discount or um, engage in supply chain financing or take a um, a virtual card if you take a long time to get that invoice approved. If you speed that invoice through the organization at the speed of a thousand gazelles using machine learning and AI and, and you make it really easy for both the supplier and the staff to code it, route it, approve it, get it paid. Well, now your um, your accounts payable staff have transformed the organization and, and, and are probably making their, their department paid for through that whole enterprise or that whole exercise. So that is the sort of thing that impresses suppliers. That is the sort of thing that improves the relationship with suppliers and allows you to get your hands on the goods and services which are scarce because of the supply chain challenges. So there's um, there's a there's a new need to make the work interesting, profitable, and um, very hard to retain staff. So that's why Jess is saying these things all do matter now.
2: Yeah, and I think the other key point to think about there too, Dan. I mean, all, all great points, but. The, the payments that are getting sent out to the vendors too you have to keep in mind we're only talking really about one side of the house right now from an automation standpoint and going back to the office but what about the vendors that are receiving payments are they back in the office yet right and how much more challenging is it for them to receive a paper check in the mail if they're only coming to the office one day a week versus you know if they can reform, uh, receive some form of electronic payment right where maybe you know, if they are just coming to the office one day a week, they can still get notified and and collect that payment or process that payment, you know, from their house or if they're traveling or whatever the case is. So it really is, I mean, the automation thing is is a two way street. And I think that's where you're starting to see a lot more vendor adoption of, you know, electronic payments, whether it's virtual card or ACH, whatever the case is, but there's a lot more companies out there on both sides of the coin saying, Hey, we want some form of automated payment. Like we're kind of done with this check thing for a handful of reasons. And so it's it's really a benefit to both both parties um, within the payments and receivable space.
1: Well, Brett, we didn't we didn't plan for the the, the conversation to go this way, but that was a nice segue. Um, you know, when 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 I look at some metrics from Ardent Partners, their data has shown that um, the demand to be able to deliver or receive invoices electronically has gone up by 25 percent in the last year alone. So I think, yes, the pandemic um, forced many to say, okay, we can't receive or, or, or pay through paper anymore. We've got to get away from that. Many have now changed their contracts, um, barring physical payments or making it more expensive to um, use a physical payment. But if we go back to what Ardent Partners have said, on average, only 37.8% of suppliers submit invoices electronically, whereas the top performing account payable departments receive 61.9% of their invoices electronically. It makes me think of a company in Asia we work with called Sunway. Now they've got 50% of their invoices coming in from suppliers electronically. So I think there's both a demand there, um, the faster you can make the payment or receive the payment, that's better for you, you know. Make it make it easy for the customer to make payment to you. Make it easy for, and, and make sure it's easy for you to pay the supplier quicker. These are um, certainly trends that are out there.
0: Brett, the last time you were on, uh, you talked about how bigger companies may or not uh, like accepting virtual credit cards. Uh, since you've last been on here, ha- have your thoughts uh, changed from what you said last time? Have people been more, more or less accepting of these forms of payment?
2: Yeah, again, I mean, I think it's kind of adding on to what we were just talking about, right? I mean, vendors, for multiple reasons, are starting to accept forms of electronic payment more than they ever had before, right? Again, one of them is just the simplicity of it, right? If they're not coming to the office, they don't want to have to check the mail every single day and see what, you know, payments arrive via check or via snail mail, right? So that's a big one for them. Um, Security, as we had talked about um, you know, and then, you know, just the the business, right? I mean, everybody wants to get paid quickly and in a timely fashion. And so you're seeing a lot more of that too. Dan alluded to it, changing terms, um, changing payment terms based on payment type, right? And we see that a lot, you know, vendors are much more open to accepting a virtual credit card. Um, if they can get paid in 15 days or less, right. Or maybe an ECH payment if it's 30 days or less. And, you know, a, a standard check might show up, you know, 45 days after uh, an invoice was submitted. And that's just too long, right? Like that is too long in the day and age that we're living in right now with, you know, just the influx of the economy and inflation and rising prices and, you know, shortages, labor shortage, everything that's going on, you know, companies can't really sit there and wait for those payments to show up. So, yeah, there's a handful of different reasons why I think we're starting to see a lot more vendor acceptance um in the form of some kind of electronic payments and again it's not all virtual card right there's still companies out there that hey that's just not built into their cost of doing business and that's okay um you know we understand that and they may never take uh, a virtual credit card because it costs too much but you know to receive an ach payment instead of a check that's still an added benefit you know from a security standpoint from a speed of delivery standpoint and it's not costing anything so um, yeah, we are starting to see a, a big uptick in, in you know, vendors accepting um, some form of a you know electronic payment, but the virtual card is definitely going up too.
0: And it's been uh, it's been a topic that both of you uh, touched on a few minutes ago. But fraud is always a, a hot topic in the finance world. And Brett, you've touched on your relationship with Mastercard in the past. Uh, can you explain how that works a little more and and how it can reduce that risk of fraud?
2: Yeah, it's a great question, Scott. And, and you know, I don't know of too many companies out there. I mean, very few, if any, that indemnify all payments. And that's one thing that we do, right? We want our customers to feel safe and secure that when they send a payment of any type, that it's going to be protected, right, and insured. And, and, and they're not going to have to worry about, you know, this fraudulent charge or, you know, some kind of, uh, uh, you know, fraudulent, behavior to one of their payments. And so I think that's a big thing, especially, again, you know, when you're working from home, sometimes, um, you know, not everybody gets to to see the payments before they go out. And so sometimes I think there's a little bit of skepticism and people feeling a little more removed from the payments um, process than maybe they were, you know, three, four or five years ago. And because of that, you know, they want to feel um, like there's some security around that. And so, you know, through MasterCard, I mean, obviously there's, there's a bunch of SOX compliance and, you know, everything else that goes into it, but just the, the fact that, you know, we can tell our our clients, like, look, we identify all payments and you don't have to worry when you hit that send button, right. Or that submit button on your payment file, regardless of payment type, you know, you're, you're secure. Um, and it gives people a, a good peace of mind when they're, you know, running their payments. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, and let's maybe get into, um, you know, a little bit of, of some real-world cases here. What benefits have either of you seen uh, from customers who have both utilized CorePay and Esker?
1: Maybe I'll go first on that one. What I'm seeing, you know, when we engage with uh, one of our reps or the CorePay rep has been speaking to a finance leader, be it treasurer, controller, head of finance, payables, and often we find that there's this um combined vision that if they're gonna or if they're gonna replace their AP solution or they're put, gonna put in a new AP solution, clearly they are also thinking they want payment as part of that. Um, not always. Sometimes you know the, the, clearly we 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 sell solutions independently, but increasingly folks are looking at this as one end-to-end process. But that goes further. Many of the times when we, we're speaking to finance leaders, There's this big focus on improving working capital. And as we've hinted, paying suppliers early using virtual cards is an opportunity for your organization to improve working capital. That means less need to go and pay to borrow money from the bank. And that's probably going to become more expensive as inflation continues to rise. So nowadays, the the mantra used to be just in time. Now it's have cash just in case. So many finance leaders are trying to increase the amount of cash they have. And when I look at an organization and the example I'll give is Microport, you know, they're really taking advantage of digital technology, really putting in technology that makes the, the, the payables, the receivable processes more efficient, better working environment for their staff. I think they represent what we see regularly is the finance leaders are not just thinking about how do I pay efficiently, how do I automate payments, for example. They're often also thinking about, well, how do I collect money quickly, efficiently, make sure there's no problems on the collection side, apply that cash. Now normally that cash application process takes a lot of time and it's manual. Well I want to free people up to do more valuable things. I want to better to recognize and use that money. And there's also this trend where folks want to see um, maybe if they can have one platform that gives visibility across both procure-to-pay and the receivable side. Well now I can see okay what, what big expenses do I have coming up? Okay, what what amount of money are we due to get in? Or do we need to um, work harder in terms of getting the invoices ready for payment quicker so we can earn early payment discounts or, or the, the you know as much as 2% um, rebates through virtual cards? So it's about visibility and being able to do something about the fact that, oh, I see we need more cash this month or this quarter. And the reason I'm, I mentioned MicroPort is originally that they're already working with CorePay for global payment capabilities across multiple countries, multiple regions. And they approached us originally thinking, oh, let's automate payables. And then they shared their goals and objectives around improving day sales outstanding and working capital. And they said, ah, didn't realize that, that, that there was a solution out there that would allow us to both automate payables and receivables and, and payment. Great, actually we'll, we'll start and tackle our AR initiative first to deliver invoices and, and collect payment and use um, automation there. And we'll do payment next. So." I think that's a, an advantage because many of the CIOs and CFOs that I speak with are just overwhelmed with apps. And when they don't integrate or they don't provide visibility across both processes, that makes it
2: difficult to learn. Um, so I, I'm I'm seeing that trend. Yeah, I mean, I think you're spot on. And and that's, you know, that's been the beauty of this this partnership, this relationship um, and the evolution of Escarpay, right, is, you know, all along, uh, I, I think there's been this you know kind of cry out from you know cfos and companies saying you know this is great right like we'd love to automate on the front end you know and have the electronic invoices and the ocr technology and capture everything you know and import it right into our accounting software but we also you know want payments or vice versa right companies like yeah we love automating our payments but i mean we have a ton of manual invoices that takes us tons and tons of time many many hours a week to scan all those in manually or whatever the case is so you know, with with an integrated solution from front end to back end to have a, a holistic solution, um, you know they can essentially automate you from uh, you know the first invoice in to the last payment out. It's a super efficient tool, and you know as Dan has alluded to, right? I mean the the rebates on the back end on a monthly basis, like you know that you know you're going to be getting cash back on your payments. And it's going to pay for the whole solution. Right. So you're kind of getting, you know, this one holistic solution, uh, you know, for free or, or maybe even getting paid to use it. Right. It's like, how can you beat that? So um, it, it is a great, you know, um, thing for companies to be able to realize all of that under one solution that's baked right into their accounting software. I mean, it's it's very efficient.
0: Yeah, and you know, maybe we should say, just in case there's anyone, uh, you know, listening to the podcast uh, for the first time, but Dan, I'm wondering if you could just maybe explain ESCRA a little bit and, and how it is uh, applicable with payments.
1: Yeah, I think if we were to describe ESCRA Pay, I mean, one one way to describe it is finance leaders, CIOs, supply chain leaders deploy ESCRA's technology because they're trying to free up their staff to go and be rock stars, be it in payables, receivables, collections, cash application, et cetera. Well, on top of that, if you if you have the, those digital tools that give you the visibility in the automation, there's there's an opportunity to um, to improve working capital by doing things like making it easy for the your customer to not just receive the invoice or for you to chase the invoice, but for them to pay. So you may well have payment partners that you use already, and the Esca Pay umbrella would allow you as a Esca customer to use the technology. Um, or to uh, if you don't have payment options, we can provide payment options using different you know different mechanisms, be it credit card, ach. and these payment payment capabilities are are global. Similarly, on the uh, procure to pay side, it's about making it easy so that it's not just procure to post or procure to voucher in the ERP. you know the the payables of the finance team want to pay that supplier. And if you do it well, if you do it effectively, and you give them different options, like uh, virtual cards, then there's the mechanism to earn rebates. So it's really that, dare I say it, that fintech layer on top of technology. And in plain English, what's the objective? Well, the objective is, yes, you want to take care of your suppliers, and yes, you want to be easy to deal with for your, your customers. But at the same time, if you have the visibility, if you have the technology, this is a way to really improve working capital. And you can see what have we got to pay and um and what money have we got coming in? You know, so it it's an umbrella, and it's a mechanism for um, generating new 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 cash or or accelerating cash with a new business,
0: yeah. And since we last spoke, uh, we've actually built an uh, an integration program. Uh, how would you describe that, Dan?
1: Yeah. I think um what's interesting is when I speak to some finance leaders, some some payables departments, um controllers, some say hey we you know we really like what we see from corpay we really like what we see from esker um, that's great we will receive the invoice code it use the ai machine learning process the invoice and we'll then go and pay from our erp or we might pay and hook up the erp with corpay and others will say ah But what we really care about is we want a single tool that's integrated and it's almost a seamless seamless experience where we're not having to log into two different systems. I can receive the invoice. I've got visibility about accruals and who I need to pay and how much is coming up and what the trends are, where our spend is going. But then I can also set up payment runs. I can view the payment. I can schedule the payment. I can control the payment. I can do all that in one system. And it's interesting because it feels like Half the time, some folks really, really want and care about the integration, and the other half of the time, folks don't necessarily need it. So we realized there was a need to have the 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 integrated one-stop shop option, uh, so so customers could choose what was best for them.
2: Brett, would you add anything to that? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I think it, you nailed it, right? It, it's spot on, and it's you know across all types of payments too. I mean, that's the other key thing, and you even alluded to the international or FX payments. Right? I mean, it can all be done out of one single payment file. And I think, you know, that's, that's, a, big, that's a big movement right now is, you know, virtual card's nice and, and that's been around for a little bit and that's great technology. Um, but the reality is, you know, we know that not 100% of vendors that, you know, a company has to pay are gonna accept virtual cards. So what are the other options? Well, you know, we can do everything out of one payment file. And I think that's the key is you send over one payment file that has been built and imported through EscarPay, right? Capturing all the invoices on the front end, scanning them in and, and, you know, making sure that there's accuracy across all invoices. And then, you know, you hit submit and whether it's check, ACH, virtual card, wire, international payment, it's all done through one payment file. So it truly does bring in a lot of cost savings, a lot of efficiency gains. Um, and then obviously we've talked about the rebate too. I mean, that's the movement, get as many of those vendors to accept virtual card as possible. And then you're going to get a nice, you know, cashback monthly rebate every single month that, you know, is going to hopefully pay um, for the entire solution. Like I said, put some revenue into the bottom line all out of your you know, existing payables today. So you, you nailed it, Dan. Um, and it's it's really taken off. I mean, it is definitely the, the kind of growing trend in the payment space. And we're seeing, you know, a, a great adoption. Um, from not only customers but vendors you know that, that want to get paid like i said faster more securely through some form of electronic payment
0: great and you know we'll we'll kind of wrap up here but you know, final question for you both we'll start with brett we covered a lot of ground uh, on this podcast here but if there's one takeaway um, that you'd like to highlight for anyone who is listening what what would that be uh, today
2: yeah it's that's a great question I, I think you know for anybody listening today it, it's really just take some time and evaluate your current processes um, and inefficiencies, right? And I think anybody could, could find you know, one or two or three and, and some may find 10, right? Um, but what I think that you know, if you do a deeper dive and, and are okay to some change, right? I think that's probably the other thing I would say is some, some companies are a little afraid of change. Hey, we've been doing this for 35 years. We've been manually scanning invoices and manually printing checks and whatever the case is. But yeah, is that really the most efficient way of doing it? Um, it's not, right? There's technology that exists today that is super, you know, I never would say easy, but it's its not difficult for us to interface with existing ERPs, get you up and running and, you know, make your life easier. And so for, for companies that are looking for ways to, again, save money, cut some costs, you know, operate more efficiently, and then ideally create that, you know, new revenue stream out of their AP department, at least consider it, right? I mean, that's all I would say is at least consider it. Talk to somebody, you know, even if it's not CorPay or Esker or EskerPay, you know, talk to somebody, though. But there are definitely better ways and more efficient ways to operate your accounts payable department than, you know, doing it extremely manual. So um, be open minded and, and and evaluate it. Yeah, thanks. I think, I, think um, I, I, I certainly agree
1: with Brett. The trend I've been seeing for the last couple of years now is that. Uh, simplification and CIOs are just sort of have too many tools, and you know if I think back three, four, when were we going to trade shows? It's got to be at least three years ago. But now we're you know we're probably about to go again. Back then, I don't really remember speaking to that many folks in in finance in payables or receivables who knew exactly what tools and what the processes were. Now, I think AP and AR have become almost two sides of the same coin. And, and when I speak to um, even, you know, folks who work in the payables or receivables department, not necessarily the managers, they've got an interest in. Oh, yeah, we know that they're trying to do this, or we know they've got that tool. Um, and yeah, we think there's some interest in 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 being a bit more efficient or being able to look at technologies. They're aware and 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 have more interest in what's going on. And I think any time that you can sort of launch an initiative and it will benefit some other department, then your chance of getting the IT resources for that initiative just went up. Then your, your, your return on investment overall just went up. So AP and AR, the ability to use tools that will help both parties and have visibility, both of what we've got to spend and what money's coming in. That's really, really picking up and definitely feels like there's a lot more interest and a lot more sort of, um, excitement from, from even from you know, the finance leaders, the treasurers, the controllers that, hey, I can have one tool that will, that will do both.
0: Well, Dan, Brett, thanks so much for coming on the show today and, and and lending some of your expertise. Absolutely. Thanks for having us.
1: Yeah, thanks for setting me up. Scott, always a
2: pleasure.
0: Uh, if you have any questions or are interested in learning more about CorPay or EskerPay, uh, you can find contact information in the show notes. And as always, if you are interested in learning more about Esker, you can find us at Esker.com. Thanks for tuning in today. We'll talk to you next time.